Welcome to the Powerhouse Youth Podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today, and we hope that this builds you up and helps you live out your faith. Enjoy the message. Yeah, can we make some noise for the Lord tonight? You know, uh, most of you probably know about this, at least to some degree, uh, but you know, it's something we haven't talked about a ton in youth, and so uh, we are actually in the middle of a building campaign at Main Church, okay, and so our church has grown so much over the past few years, um, and we have like just kind of run out of space on the weekend, man, it's been packed, uh, obviously there's a little more space now that coronavirus has been here, uh, but we are close to being in our new building. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, we're actually be planning on uh, moving into our building late this fall, okay? Uh, so late this fall, somewhere probably close to the holidays, getting there, uh, man, it should be uh, kind of becoming a reality. And so there's two things, like two feelings I have. One, I'm a little sad because we're going to be leaving behind powerhouse, right? This powerhouse, Um just move it. All right, we're all going to meet here next weekend. We're going to pick this up, and we're going to carry it across town. Um, bring your friends, because we're going to need some help. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a little sad, right? I'm a little sad. Uh, this place is special to me, because I, I've given my life to Christ in this building. This is where God, you know, has spoken to me so many times throughout my life, and where God transformed me. A lot of our leaders, I mean, God has spoken to here in this building, in this ministry, and, you know, it's, it's kind of sentimental, a little sad, right? A lot of you in, in the crowd, God's probably moved in your life here, right? And so a part of me, I'm a little bit sad thinking about leaving behind this building, but then on the other hand, there's part of me that's like super excited about it, right? There's part of me that's super excited about the potential, the possibility, excited about everything that God could do there, and I'm not just going to be sad about leaving behind this place because this is where God changed my life, but I'm excited about all the lives that God is going to change over there, right? And so, uh, man, I'm telling you, uh, over this semester, I, I really do believe God's getting ready to do some big stuff, and as chaotic as 2020 has been, uh, man, God is still sovereign. He's still on his throne. He's still moving, and I believe he's doing all of these things uh, in order so lost people can be saved. Amen? And so, uh, man, with our new beginnings, with our new building, I know some of us are going to be sad. I'm telling you, our new uh, youth space is going to be awesome. We'll show you some pictures and talk a little more about that uh, later on. Uh, but, uh, man, I'm telling you, I, I believe God's going to do something awesome this year. And so I hope that there's something excited in you, kind of stirring in you, uh, that you want to be a part of what God's doing. And uh, I know that I do. And so, um, you know, I do want this to be kind of clear. It's excited, uh, exciting about getting a new building and all of that stuff, but um, it's not about our church, and it's not about even powerhouse like our youth ministry, but it's all about just building the kingdom of God. All of it is centered around being able to reach more people in our city, right? We know that there are lost people that we cross paths with every day that need uh, the love of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and that's what it's about, and, and I want to ask you uh, to be a part of that. You know, uh, one, 
I want you to understand the the most important thing we need, you know, in the midst of moving and all that, we need God on our side. Can I get an amen? We need God to come and bless us and and be with us. You know, uh, Psalms 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, uh, those who build it labor in vain, right? We need God's blessing. We need God's anointing. We need God's power to come uh, and be with us in this transition and how we uh, can reach more people. Uh, But secondly, this is also what we need we need you. We need students. We need leaders to uh, kind of say yes to the call of God and step into what he's calling us to do, right? Because it's not just on uh, the, the responsibility. is not just on the ministers. It's not just on the leaders. It's not just on the pastors of the church to reach people, but that's what the body of Christ is called to do. And so I hope over the next few months, and as we're getting ready uh, to go into our new building and all this stuff, I hope that you will be willing to say yes and play a part and bring people and pray for people and reach out to your friends and your family and do all of those things so we can see more people come to know God. And so, man, I hope uh, that you're excited about the future, but one truth is that I'm not just excited about the future, I'm excited about what God's doing right now. I mean, God has been moving, and God has been here, and y'all, this year has just been the craziest, most random, like, who in the world would have ever thought everything that's happened would have happened? Like, this just sounds like a terrible story that you would read and laugh about, like, yeah, right, you know? And it just keeps kind of unfolding, and uh, we're, we're still here, right? We've made it thus far, but... Like, we never would have thought that this, this many things would have happened. Like, all of this would happen in one year, but I promise, like, God is still moving in the midst of it. I mean, there are people who have come to church, people who have come to know Christ uh, that probably never would have unless some bad things or hardships came into their life, right? And so thank God for some of these things, and, and, uh, and so I really do. I want to ask you, hey, be a part of what's going on here. Engage now. Let us, let us live uh, the life that God is calling us to live right now and not just say, yeah, hey, in the future, in the coming months, next year, when I'm a senior, I'm gonna do this or that. Like, I'm gonna engage now. Amen. I wanna do everything that God has, has called me to do. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, I actually want to uh, invite Miss Ellie to come up. Y'all make some noise for Ellie. You got a bigger applause than I got, so uh, <laughs> except for your your bro, he he booed you. <laughs> but um, you know, we're we're kind of talking about stepping out and and being obedient to what the Lord has uh, called you to do. And uh, I want Ellie just to kind of brag on the Lord and share for a second about what's been going on in her life and at Pleasant Grove. Why do you look so upset? <laughs> just creep me out. Okay. So, I mean. Chance and I'm uh, not Chance. Jack and Trinity are also a part of this, but there's this club at PG and it's called First Priority, and it's something that's been going on for like a long time, but it's kind of gone down over the years. So, like ever since sophomore year, I've been feeling called to like start something, rather it be just a prayer thing or this club back up. I kind of just kept putting it off, being like, okay, someone else can do that. Tommy can do that when he's a senior. And what Cole was saying, don't put it off to your senior. It's a lot easier than it looks. Like, once you, like, get your foundation and, like, know that God's, like, it's God's plan, it's so much easier. And one thing I shared with our group is that even if, if we're doing what God's calling us to do, there's going to be people that persecute us. And there's going to be people that find something wrong and might call us weird or something. But wouldn't you rather be called weird and know you're doing what you're called to do with your life and you're actually doing something productive than fit in and go about with the status quo and who knows what mistakes you're going to make? Not calling anyone out. But <laughs> I really just wanted to, like, 
talk about how this isn't, like, we did this, and we completely just trusted God. We didn't know how many people were going to show up. We didn't know who was going to talk. But, like, for our first meeting, yeah, we had 20 people. That's not a whole bunch, but, like, that's a decent amount for a first time. And, like, everyone shared. And it was so cool seeing people from different church, different churches come and just gather and talk about Jesus. And, like, we get that refresh to go back into the school and talk about it. So I just want to encourage you all to, like, not put it off. Don't think someone else might do it because you're just as, like, capable of doing it as someone older than you. Just because you're a freshman doesn't mean you can't do something that a senior can do. And that's something I wish I would have done. But I just hope that y'all will go out and do what you're called to do. So, yeah. Amen, amen. You know, it's, it's super cool when you see somebody, like, finally step in to, like, do something that God's been laying on their hearts. And, you, you know, it, it really is a challenge because most of us in this room, we've probably had God lay something on our heart before, something we should do, something we should stop doing. But it's often a challenge to say, yeah, right, you know, and, and maybe even a night, I, I remember sometimes at church, like, I'd, I'd pray in an altar call and say yes to God, and then the next morning, it was pretty hard to step out and engage in that, like, have you ever been there? And, uh, and I just want to encourage you that when you will finally be obedient to what God's calling you to do, he's faithful. He'll take care of you. He'll, he'll prosper the things that you place your, your hands on, and uh, I mean, it just makes me excited uh, just about everything that God could do when we all say yes. And, and here's the deal. You guys are, are a part of, of what's going on here. You know, in this video, um, we were, I was writing a bunch of these stats and all this stuff when uh, I was editing this. And uh, I put 150 plus students on our stats that we're reaching a week. And I want you to kind of understand, typically on a given Wednesday for the last year or so, we probably averaged around 100 students per Wednesday night, okay? Uh, and we usually do small groups, and we do events and stuff throughout the year. So, I mean, we, we reach more than that if you want to count all of those. But during the week to week, you know, there, there were parts and seasons where we've had a lot of small groups, small groups uh, on campus ministries on nearly every campus in town that students were leading, people were praying, people were doing Bible studies and all of this stuff. And so uh, I just knew, uh, man, if you really wanted to go through and add up all the groups and things that all the students are really involved in, uh, at, at some points in the year, we're reaching over 300 and plus students just from those who come and hang out with us on a Wednesday night. Is that not awesome? And so I, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Like, would you just say yes to what the Lord is calling you to do? That this year would be different. Hey, this year is chaotic. This year, uh, the, the leaders, we've been calling and trying to uh, get on campuses and all this stuff. And they pretty much just said, we can't come at all, okay? And so a lot of the things that we normally do as leaders, we can't do. And so that means that this year... It's up to you guys. It's up to the students to say yes to God. It's up to you to say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead. I'm going to reach out to the people around me. And so I really do. I hope that uh, man, over the last few weeks that we've been talking about this, God's been stirring something in your heart. And so we're going to kind of continue to press on this topic a little bit tonight, just gearing up uh, for... Um, I guess, just the school year and everything that's about to get ready to take place. But I just want to invite you actually to stand with me. Yeah, I know this is different. We don't, we don't stand once we start. But I want you to stand with me. I want you to just to kind of close your eyes. And I, I want to pray over us tonight. But before I pray over you, I just want you to kind of have a moment where you can respond uh, to the Lord. And, and if you feel like it's time for you just to kind of step out and step into what God's calling you to do, to be obedient, to say yes. I just want you in your heart to acknowledge that to God right now. I just want you to say, yes, Lord, that's me tonight. Before we even get into the message, God, I know that's me. 
and tell God you, you want him to use you this year. Come on, I know that, that should be a lot of us. should be all of us. And so, God, we thank you right now for your goodness. We thank you for every student that's here. Lord, for all those that are willing, Lord, that they say yes. And Lord, we just pray that you would soften our hearts to receive what you have for us tonight. God, that you would come, you'd have your way, you would move in us tonight and help us, God, to build your kingdom in a greater way. And so, Lord, we say all these things in your name. Everyone said, amen. All right, you can be seated. Amen, amen. Well, hey, are you awake tonight? I'm a little sleepy too, I, I, I got you, but hey, we've got to pay attention because tonight's going to be good, okay? Everybody look at your neighbor and say, tonight's going to be good. Gucci. Okay, so uh, tonight, if you've got your Bible, if you've got your phone and you want to click over uh, to this, it, we're going to actually talk out of 2 Kings chapter 5, okay? 2 Kings chapter 5, I preached on this story actually three years ago uh, at our back-to-school bash. I rode a mini bike in uh, to service, and it was possibly the most embarrassing part of my youth pastor career because it was supposed to be funny, and I think everyone thought I was being serious and thought it was cool, and it was just real cringy, and I looked at all of our leaders and said, I'll never do it again. So <laughs> so if you want me to ride a mini bike in service again, it's probably just not going to happen. So <laughs> it was so embarrassing. No. <laughs> okay, so hey, hey, check this out. We're going to look at a, a story about a man named Naaman, okay, uh, in the Old Testament. I, we're going to just go ahead and jump right in. I'm going to give you a few things that hopefully will just encourage you uh, with what we kind of talked about even before the message here. Uh, but look at this, verse 1. It's going to be on the sky Bible. It says, uh, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria, he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Okay, and so we get introduced to a man named, what? Does that make anyone hungry? You're just thinking about barbecue? Anyone? Y'all, if you haven't been to Naaman's barbecue, you go, because it'll change your life, okay? Yeah, the brisket, it's... Amazing. Okay, anyways, so we find out, we meet a man named Naaman, right? We find out he is uh, the commander of the Syrian army, and he is a mighty man of valor. Okay, uh, this is a pretty big compliment here because there are only a few men called this in the entire Bible. Uh, David and Gideon are two of these men, um, but... What I want you to see, there's kind of a, a, a pretty big progression that happens in this one verse, okay? There's a lot of detail, so that's why I want to talk about it for a second. Uh, in one verse, they present Naaman as a victor, okay? They present uh, him as a man. He goes out, he wins battles, he defeats the enemy, and he takes care of problems, right? It's kind of like these hardcore old like warrior movies that us guys are like into, like uh, you think about Gladiator or whatever, like all the guys are like, yeah, that's right. Um, some good stories, okay? And so they're, they're presenting Naaman as this man. He's this man of excellence. Uh, he appears to be kind of a man of noble character. Uh, but this progression in verse 1, um, you, you kind of get this idea that Naaman is this man that there isn't a battle that he could not win, right? If you have like a guy in your mind that you think of, like, oh, he just could beat up anybody. It's like Superman. We have any... 
we have any comment, guys? It's like, no, t- technically Superman could get beaten by the, uh... oh. <laughs> there you go. And so he's, he's this guy that, that can't be defeated, right? He, and so this is where it kind of takes a change, though. He runs into a significant problem. What's his problem? What? By what? <laughs> no, no, it says, okay, so Naaman's this mighty guy. He can't be defeated. He wins all of his battles. He's, he's a victor, but it says he's a leper. Anybody know what a leper is? <laughs> yeah, it's an animal that runs in the forest. Duh. No. Okay, so listen, leprosy, it's a, it's a disease, um, and, and this is a big deal. Listen, this is a big deal in this time because it did not have a cure. Okay, Uh, you would kind of begin with these small red spots on your skin. Uh, They would begin to grow. Anybody, you're already like, they'd begin to grow, turn white and get scaly. It's like some of y'all are like, that's just my legs during winter. (laughs) That's so nasty. (laughs) Boy, I put some lotion on. Okay, anyways. And so what would happen is your skin would start to rot off. Probably start smelling a little funny. Okay. Um, make it worse. Let's just continue this progression for, for a second. You would then lose your hair. Anybody? You love your hair. Okay. Uh, you would even lose your eyebrows. Okay. It, it's usually pretty weird to see someone's face without eyebrows. I don't know. It just It's like their face is naked. I don't know. It's just weird to describe it. And then... You would lose your fingernails and your toenails. It was just straight nasty, okay? And so eventually things would get so bad that, that it would progress so far that you would die from, uh, from this disease, okay? And so in a lot of ways, it kind of sounds like just getting old. <laughs> yes, it does. That creeps me out. Uh, but all joking aside, this is what I want you to think about for just a second, okay? Uh, there came a point in this man at Naaman's life where he faced an enemy that he could not defeat, right? He, he had been doing all these things. He had, he'd been, uh, he's experienced nothing but uh, success, but he finally faced an obstacle that he could not overcome himself. And so what does he do? In the story, he begins to search for an answer, right? I, I want to find something uh, that can heal me. He needed a uh, prescription that could heal his ailment. And so he's searching for something that might could uh, kind of uh, be the answer to his problem. And, and this is what I want you to see for just a second tonight, okay? Um, this is a picture of us. And I'm not saying that you have leprosy and your skin's nasty, although I hadn't seen all of y'all's skin, so maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> that was weird. We're just going to move on. Um, <laughs> but think about this for a second. You know, most of us, we, we start out in life, we start out as uh, ambitious, we're, we're driven, uh, we're zealous for opportunity, we're able to conquer many things, many trials that may, may come against you, uh, but whether you like to admit it or not, uh, there are some obstacles in life that you just can't overcome on your own, Right? And, and a lot of young people, you, you, we don't, you know, really see this a lot of times until you get older, uh, but there are things that you can't overcome on your own. You might be the strongest and the most awesome person in the planet, right? But there are things that you can't overcome yourself. 
two of the biggest things that I want you to think about for just a second, that this, these, these apply to obviously everyone, uh, it's sin and death. We can't overcome our own sin. We can't overcome our own death. We could also come up with a laundry list of other things that we can't deal with. Like, I can't overcome my multiplication facts. <laughs> and those things still get me every time. Like, there are a lot of things that, you know, that we can't conquer ourselves, right? But, but the thing that applies to everyone at some point, we all have to face our sin. We all have to face death. That's, that's a, a pretty scary thing to think about. You can't overcome sin you can't bypass death, right? You might be vegan. You might eat only vegetables, drink only water, and try to be the healthiest person ever. And your goal is to live to 200 years old. Kudos to you. Uh, but one day, <laughs> it's going to stop, right? Maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're like me and you just drink tons of bang energy drinks. And you're just, hey, when it's my day, it's my day. And uh, that's kind of more of my philosophy. Um but here's the deal. We all have to face these two obstacles that we can't overcome. We all have to face our sin. We all have to face uh, our, our death one day. And, you know, I wish that there was a way that we could overcome it ourselves, but there's not. We can't do it on our own accord. Uh, but but the, the great thing is when you finally face an obstacle in your life that you realize you can't overcome, what is what is Naaman begin to do? He starts searching for an answer, Right? When, when you finally face something that you can't overcome yourself, you start looking for something that can help you get beyond it. I don't know if you've ever done that. I don't know if you've ever had a, a struggle with a sport or a grade and you've got to study or you've got to work out harder. Or you've got to be better to, to kind of overcome this deal or so you can start or so you can make the varsity team or whatever it is. Listen, a lot of times when you finally face an obstacle, it pushes you to do something else. And, and what I want you to see is, is Naaman starts searching for an answer here in this story and, and he winds up finding the answer in God. And this is what I want you to see. Oftentimes when we finally think about these obstacles that you and I, that we can't overcome, when you think about your sin and when you think about your death and you start searching for an answer, the answer is Jesus Christ. When you finally start looking towards God, he says, you know what? You can't overcome it. But he said, I've made a way that you could. I sent my son who did, right? He did overcome. He did overcome sin. He did overcome death. Uh, I shared this verse a few weeks ago, but I want to read it to you again. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55 through 57. It says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus conquered sin and death. And when we come to him, when we choose to follow him, we then get to walk in his victory, right? And so tonight, I don't know where you are. I know we have some new folks in here that, you know, maybe you know a little bit about Jesus, you know a little bit about God, but uh, I think tonight is a time where we stop and you really think about the obstacles that you will not be able to overcome. You know, one day, as successful as you might be, as long as you may live, uh, you will come to uh, the end where you can't overcome it, right? You will come to the day where you have to face death. That's pretty scary. And I'm telling you, the only way that you can live beyond this point in heaven and have eternal life is through Jesus Christ. And actually, Scripture teaches that we will all live beyond this life in eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. And so our goal is to populate heaven, right? 
And so if you're here tonight and, and you've never thought about this, you've never made that decision, you've never trusted in Christ, I'm telling you, think about it tonight because it's the most important decision you'll ever make, okay? And so I, I want to continue on. Naaman here, he's, he's finally fought, kind of found this, this issue, this thing that he can't overcome himself. And uh, let's kind of see how this progresses. Verses two through three, it says, uh, Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Okay, and so I, I want you to kind of see what's going on. Uh, these two verses are very, very significant. Okay, they're, they're, they are a display of uh, God-given mercy and a purity of heart that we should all kind of strive to mimic, okay? This young girl has been taken from Israel. She is a prisoner of war, she's a slave, and uh, she's a servant of a man named Naaman, right? The, the main guy we're talking about here. So she's Naaman's servant. This is pretty, uh, pretty harsh circumstances, she has every right to be filled uh, with frustration, bitterness, and hatred, right? This guy has pretty much enslaved her, taken her from her family, her homeland, all of these things. And uh, yet in this story, instead of seeing this girl being so uh, bitter and upset, she extends the love of God and mercy to him, right? And so what does she do in this moment? She sees Naaman, who has leprosy, and she points him towards the answer. She points him towards the answer. She, uh, she has a heart to see him healed of his issue. His issue is leprosy, okay? She wants to see him made whole, okay? And, uh, and so this is what I want you to see. This is what really like struck a chord with my heart today as I was studying this story. This opportunity for Naaman to be made whole pivots on this little girl's willingness to share the message with him. So, Naaman has an opportunity to be made whole only when he comes to God. He's specifically going to come before the prophet Elisha, but this whole encounter pivots on a little girl's word. Will she be willing to share or will she hold it into herself, right? And so you, you see this heart, like she could easily, like I want him to die. He trapped me and enslaved me, and yet she has the opposite. I wanna see him healed and set free from his issue. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna share, I'm gonna tell him the truth, and I'm gonna point him to the God who holds all the answers. Like this is a, a, a pretty uh, a significant picture here uh, because it makes me wonder how many people's opportunities to be made right with God, to be made whole, kind of pivots on our willingness to share the message with them? Like how many people, how many people do we encounter every day that this, their opportunity, their, their moment to be made whole, their moment to come to know God and, and to be set free from their issue and their problems, like, like how many opportunities pivot on whether you and I, we will be obedient to share the gospel? Like when you begin to think about it in that way, doesn't it like want to, to kind of push you to step out a little bit more? Like if this little girl never shares with Naaman the answer to go see uh, Elisha who could pray to God and, and see him healed, he might have never been made whole. And, and I think that there's a lot of people that are walking around in our communities, in our culture, in our, in our classrooms, at school, and all of these things that there's a chance that they could be made whole if we would simply come and bring the, the gospel message to them, right? 
If we would simply be obedient, if we would simply say, you know what, it doesn't matter that they get on my nerves, it doesn't matter that they're different from me, it doesn't matter that they're weird or that guy used to bully me, I don't care about what wrong they've done to me, but I care about seeing them made whole. I care about seeing them come to know Christ. And, and this is something that, hey, a lot of believers we struggle with, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of something wrong with our heart, right? Because a lot of times we don't feel that way. A lot of times we don't, and, and we need to go to God and pray that he would come and, and he would encourage me uh, and, and help me to, to live that way, okay? And so I think it is it's so cool here, this, this opportunity that Naaman has to be made whole. It pivots on this little girl, probably a teenager. And I want you to hold on to this idea. There are so many people in our community that their opportunities to come to know Christ, it could pivot on your obedience, it could pivot on what you say to them. It could pivot on how you love them. It could pivot on how you share the love of Christ to them. And you know, shouldn't, it, uh, shouldn't we approach these opportunities with such boldness that we understand the answer, right? There, this man, think about this, Naaman had this, this disease that there was no cure. They, they hadn't seen anyone be healed of this probably in their time. They, they probably never even really heard uh, much of this. And, and this girl still had faith that her God could do it. She still believed that her God could do it. And, and I want to awaken something inside of you tonight because a lot of times I think we lack this kind of faith. But, but shouldn't we, when we go to school and when we encounter our friends and when you see people who are struggling or, or, or I mean, maybe they're, they're uh, kind of chained and in bondage to sin or, or maybe they're struggling with depression or, or homosexuality or insecurity or whatever, you fill in the blank of what a lot of young people are struggling with. Shouldn't we come and declare the truth that, hey, you might be dealing with something that a lot of people feel like they could never get over, but I wanna tell you, you can that there is an answer, there is a cure, and his name is Jesus Christ. Man, how dare we hold on to an antidote that could heal someone, right? How dare we hold on to something that could bring someone's freedom? I, I hope that something's kind of stirring in you a little bit that, that would you dare to have the faith to believe that God could heal someone who's sick? Would, would you dare to have the faith to believe that God could bring breakthrough for your friend who's, who's struggling with depression? Would you dare have faith to, to believe that God could come and bring freedom from these things? Because I'm telling you, there are many things in this world that we cannot overcome ourselves. And the only way we can do it is when we stand in, in Christ's victory. We have to receive him. And listen, some of us tonight, we need to receive that victory in our own lives before we can go and proclaim it to others. Many of us, we've made friends with sin in our life. We've said it's okay. We've, we've kind of began to, to be buddies with it and it just accepted that this is always gonna be here. And I wanna tell you, no, Jesus can bring freedom. Jesus could, could heal the incurable disease. Jesus can break that chain in your life. Jesus can break that sin cycle. Jesus can disrupt the family cycle that you feel like that you're afraid you're gonna repeat or, or whatever it is. Jesus can come and change the circumstance. Okay, he is the answer. And what I want you to see tonight is you are going to face things in your life that you can't overcome yourself. But when you come to the end of yourself, that's often when you find God. And it's a good thing if you can do that at a young age and say, Lord, I know that I can't make it and I need you. I don't have to go, I don't have to pretend like I'm tough, I don't have to be uh, arrogant or whatever, but Lord, I'm just gonna surrender to you now, right? Right? 
And so think about this year. Would this year, would you, would you kind of approach school differently? Would you kind of approach uh, ministry and, and ministering to your friends differently? I mean, this is why we encourage students to go, not, not because it makes Powerhouse look good or because uh, we're just trying to get you to go and do something, which I, I want you to do something. The reason why we step out as believers is because people's eternal life pivots, that it hangs in the balance whether we will be obedient and go and do what God has called us to do. Man, would you share with your friend this year, would this be a year where you would declare boldly, this little girl, she's a slave in the house of Naaman, and yet you know what? She stands up and says, I know somebody who can heal you. And every day we pass by people who are struggling, who are hurting, who are broken, and I want you to begin to, to go to school thinking, with this sort of mindset where you tell your friends and your classmates, hey, I know you've been struggling with that, but I know someone who can bring victory. I know someone who can bring healing. I know someone who can bring freedom in your life. And his name is Jesus Christ. Would we approach this school year with that sort of, uh, of uh, just mindset that we would come and, and, and be hungry for God to move? And I want you to even ask yourself, you know, if you truly believe it, if you truly believe that Jesus is the answer, if you truly believe God can do those things, and I believe it's time for us to start sharing it with others. How dare we hold on to an answer for someone else? How dare we hold on to someone else's freedom, right? Let's be bold and share those things. And look with me, verses four and five. So this is what happened. So Naaman he went in and he told his lord, the king, he says, Thus, and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents, talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Okay, so in today's uh, terms, uh, this would be probably around $1.2 million that this guy's about to travel with to go to Israel. Okay, so he's rolling deep, all right? Um, Ten changes of clothes. Yeah. <laughs> y'all, some of y'all packed that many on our three-day fall retreat trip. Um, so look at this, verses six and seven. It says, so uh, Naaman, he brings this letter to the king of Israel, which read, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you uh, to you, Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. Okay, I'll kind of explain what's happening here. This king, I'm blanking on his name. He's not very close to God. It's kind of showing that he has a severe lacking of faith. And so this, uh, this servant from Syria comes, brings a letter, and says, hey, heal Naaman of this incurable disease. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, cool. I'm glad that's my responsibility. And so he thinks that if he doesn't heal Naaman, Syria is going to come and wage war against Israel, that they're about to be conquered, and this is just a way to engage. So he immediately is frantic. He, he's in fear uh, kind of for his life and for his kingdom. But what's, what's significant is he never stops and pauses and turns his mind to God. He never stops and asks, Lord, I know that you hold the answers. I know that you alone could do this. He never stops and asks God to, to intervene. He's a man that is faithless. 
And, and honestly, this is probably how many of us respond when we encounter people all the time. We encounter people who are broken. We encounter people who need help, who need prayer, who need encouragement. And yet a lot of times we, we are kind of like this faithless king where we don't really believe that God could come and change or transform this person's situation. Because we, we think about ourselves, we think about what we might could do. And listen, there is not much that you and I can do when someone is spiritually devastated. There's not much that you and I can do when people are just in terrible, terrible circumstances. But when God comes, things change. And so this king is faithless. He doesn't, even, he doesn't even shift his mind. His heart doesn't even go to ask God to come and intervene. And, and what I want to do, what I want to encourage you to do this year is when you start going to school and when you encounter people, when you start seeing the brokenness in your schools and in your friends and people who are struggling with sin or, or whatever the issue is, would you quit looking at it with a worldly mindset and would you shift your mind and say, you know what, I need to invite God to come. I need to invite God to come. I need him to come and intervene. He's the only one that can heal this incurable disease. He's the only one that can break the chains of sin. He's the only one that can heal them of depression. He's the only one that can intervene in this student's family's life, right? Come on, some of us, we need to, to kind of stir faith within us because if we really believe that God is the one who holds the answers, would we begin to present him as the answer? Come on, don't be like this faithless king, but would you stir the faith inside of you and say, you know what, Lord, your word says this, and I'm gonna trust you. You know what, God, first, I'm gonna trust you for my deliverance. I'm gonna trust you for my freedom. And then when you bring freedom in my life, I'm gonna proclaim it to everyone else that God set me free and he can do the same for you. Come on, stir some sort of faith in your life. Don't be like this king. If you really, really believe it, if you really believe in God and in the Bible and what he says that he can do, come on, it's time for us to share that answer with the world. And look at kind of the, the next chunk of passage here. Verse eight, it says, but when Elisha, this is the prophet of Israel in this time, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. And so Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Last verse, and it says, Are not Abana and Farper, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. Okay, I, I want you to, to, to kind of see this here because it's a little amusing. Naaman is used to being a big deal. He's used to people making it a big deal when he comes, and so he goes before the prophet Elisha, Elisha evidently is the only one besides the little girl who sends Naaman to Israel that has the faith that God could do it. The king's over there tearing his clothes, crying about how he's probably about to get killed by the Syrian army. And Elisha's like, bro, chill out. God can do it, okay? And so Naaman comes, uh, and he comes before Elisha. And Naaman's offended because Elisha doesn't even come out to talk to him in person. 
He's like, whoa, do you not know who I am? Do you not know how I've traveled? I've got $1.2 million with me. Like, I'm, I'm a big deal. And, and Naaman comes, or he sends his servant out, and he tells him just these little bitty steps to be obedient. He says, hey, go and dip in the river seven times. You'll be healed of this disease. Leprosy will go. Hey, just go swimming seven times. I don't know if he, like, jumps in the water and just puts his head under seven times or if he's got to, like, get in the water and walk out and walk back in. So I don't know exactly Exactly the picture here, but that's a pretty easy job, right? Hey, let's go jump in the pool (laughs) seven times. I'll be clean. Naaman is so offended, he walks away, he's aggravated. He doesn't believe uh, that this is really gonna make like a a, a significant change in in his life. And and one, I I want you to kind of see this. This is a humbling moment for him. Before God could ever move and intervene in in Naaman's life, he had to humble himself. He had to admit that he needed help. He had to admit that that God could do it, right? There was a a humility here that you kind of had to swallow your pride and say yes to uh, the steps, the the things that God is kind of laying on uh, on his heart, the things that God is directing him to do. And, uh, And so Naaman wasn't quite ready to do that. And this is also another thing I want you to kind of think about, um, how many times does God call us to do something, little things, and we feel like they're too insignificant to make a difference? Literally, the prophet of Israel is trying to help Naaman cure his incurable disease. You just go swimming seven times. You're going to be healed. He says, nah, I'm good. I don't think that that's going to do anything. See you later. Exactly. Like, why would you not? Like, you've come all this way. Why don't I'm just going to go dip and just see what happens? You know what? Like, worst thing, like, I'm the same, and at least I won't have any regrets, right? And, but, but in our lives, like, so many times, we, we feel like these little things, they're, they're so insignificant things that God lays on our hearts, things that God has called us to do that, hey, that's too small to really make much of a difference. And, and we disqualify these things before we ever do them, right? Hey, uh, God lays on your heart. Uh, hey, you just need to start studying your word and reading your Bible and, 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 and doing that and be faithful in that. Oh, well, that's too insignificant to change my life, so I'm okay. God tells you, hey, you really need to uh, engage in your prayer life and pray over your family that, that uh, I could come and, and begin to do something in your family's life. And, and you start saying, you know what? I think that's a little too insignificant. I'm not really gonna do that. And, and oftentimes, God will lay these things on our heart, and we feel like they're too insignificant. And listen, nothing is too insignificant when we have a, a God that is as big as he is, okay? It's not about your action, and it's not about your ability, but it's about his power and glory. And God can take your small thing and your small obedience and use it for something that is huge, you know, we talked about last week about Zane uh, inviting one of his friends to come to church and him uh, coming to know Christ and then him talking with his family and then it also opening a door for Zane to talk to uh, their family, to talk to Zane's little brother and all these things. How did it happen? Zane just invited one of his coworkers at work to come to church with him. What is that? I would say that is a little, little step of obedience, right? And God can use it to transform someone's life. And I want you to see that this year, as God is laying things on your heart, that it's time for us to say, you know what, even in the small things, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to say yes. If God calls me to go swimming seven times, I'm going to do it. If God has been laying on my heart to uh, start a group on campus like Ellie and them shared just a second ago, and he's been saying that for years, you know what, I'm going to do it, and I'm just going to trust God that he is going to take care of all that needs to happen this year. 
Come on, there are some things that, that God wants to do, but oftentimes we will not do the little things that he's calling us to do. We won't play our part in the small thing. What if Naaman goes home here? He goes back to Syria. He never goes uh, to the river and swims, and he goes back with leprosy. How stupid would that be, right? How stupid would it be for us to deny God and these little things that he's calling us to do? How stupid would it be? I don't know how it's like. I didn't think I said anything funny. There it is. Get out of here. I smell good. Probably not. It's okay. <laughs> but, but, boy, this bug needs to chill. Okay, I'm walking over here away from this thing. Think about it for a second. We can quit uh, chasing the bug around. Think about it for just a second, though, because there are a lot of these little things God lays on your heart. Pray for your school. See you at the poll. This is an easy way to go and engage with God this year to go and pray over your school, to pray over your friends, your classmates. This is an easy way to go and be obedient. You know what happens a lot of times to see you at the poll? The Christians don't even show up because we're not faithful in the little things. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, that's too insignificant for me to go. I'd rather sleep in for 10 more minutes, right? I'm gonna snooze eight times this morning instead of getting up and going and, and praying with my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know what? Uh, the, the Bible study and stuff, God's been laying on my heart to start. I just feel like that's just too insignificant to really make a difference. So you know what? I'm just going to wait until God brings the big opportunity my way, and then I'll try to say yes to God then. And it's like, no, God just wants you to say yes to the small thing, and he'll turn it into something big. This year, would you be obedient to what God's been laying on your heart? We've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I know, uh, I, I know we've been very repetitive, but I want to make sure that you get this. These little things for God, these little things that you do for God, it's the most significant thing you can ever do with your life. Man, I truly believe right now, uh, what they're doing at Pleasant Grove, starting a Bible study, trying to influence their friends, trying to reach their, their, their peers at school. I believe it's one of the most significant things that you can do while you're in high school. Praying for your classmates, praying for your family. I believe some of these things that we're talking about, it's one of the most significant things you can ever do with your life. Zane inviting Aiden and him getting saved. It's one of the most significant things you can ever do with your life. It has eternal significance, winning someone to Christ. And it's time for us to take our mind off of Xbox and PlayStation and Netflix and say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to begin to focus on you. This year, I'm saying yes to you. Would you go to school this year with a little different mindset? Why am I going to tell people that I know the answer? And the answer is Jesus. And he can bring freedom. He can bring victory. He can bring healing. He can do it. I believe it. He can do it. I'm going to share it. This is the year where we're faithful, we're obedient in these little things. Listen, I'm gonna read to you the last couple of verses here, verses 13 and 14. Naaman is about ready to leave and pack up his stuff and go back to Syria, and it says this, but his servants came, came near to him, and they said to him, my father, it's a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. And so this man was finally obedient. 
he finally did what Elisha told him, what, what God had spoken to Elisha to tell him to do. And what happened? He was healed of his incurable disease. And I just want to leave you with this thought. What could God do if all of us would just be obedient? What could God do at your school? What could God do in your family? What could God do in, in Powerhouse? If we would just be obedient, if you would just say yes, if we would just trust that God knows, that God's big, that he can turn a little thing into something that is very significant. I'm telling you tonight that this year, would you approach everything a little bit different and just say yes to God? Next week is a great opportunity for you to kind of start engaging in this at See You at the Pole. Now, we're going to have a saw you at the pole thing here Wednesday night. We're going to uh, talk about what Jesus has done and, and hope and that a lot of people who don't know him will get saved. And man, that's an easy thing that you can be a part of. But more than bringing people to church and all these things that we should be doing every week, let's live in such a way that we're bringing people to know Christ every day. Let's live in such a way that we're sharing his love every single day the way that we talk to people, the way that we relate with people, the way that we act at school, the way that we have relationships. Let's live in such a way that we point everyone to Christ.